0: A Christian today who is struggling with assurance of your salvation. Does that sound uh, very familiar to you just now that you are someone who is doubting your faith, uh, doubting whether you, they are truly born again? Well if so, I again say this to you, that you are not alone. Um, assurance is difficult many christians i think especially in reformed circles like ours they struggle for assurance something that is less a mark of piety than it is actually a real stumbling block to christian service our struggle for assurance of salvation well this morning what happens is we end this block of teaching that we've been having on the theology of the reformed church so we come to what is the fifth point of calvinism so the p in that famous acronym tulip so this morning the subject of course is the perseverance of the saints the perseverance of the saints. And as we look at this, this is the prayer that I would love you to pray with me just now. We're going to pray in just a second. I would love you to pray with me that as we look at this material this morning, that God would grant further assurance of salvation to those who are doubting today. That God, as we look at these details, as we look at this doctrine, that God would provide for those who are struggling great reassurance of their standing in the righteousness and holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you, would you pray that? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for the gospel. We are thankful that we are here today. We thank you that we have the health and the well-being to be in this very room. But Lord, we know that so many of us struggle with salvation, we, eh, with assurance of our salvation, struggle with these things. So we pray for a great and spiritual and mighty work by your hand today. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you help those who are struggling? And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, first thing that we need to do, first thing that we need to do is we need to state the doctrine. That's what we need to do. Because what is this that we're dealing with? Perseverance, what is this? Well, I tell you what, this is how we'll do it. Let me just see what perseverance is. Not. Perseverance is not merely uh, the idea that once you're saved, you're saved. And we heard that before, that's banded about in church quite a bit, isn't it? That sort of phrase, that mantra, once saved, always saved. Well, contrary to what a lot of opponents of this sort of stuff would say, that is not the entirety of this doctrine. There's a lot more to it than once saved, always saved. In fact, wouldn't you agree with me, friend, that that's not the greatest phrase in the world, once saved, always saved. It's not ideal, is it? Because it kind of minimizes the christian life doesn't it it? is as, as though all we needed for salvation was just to profess faith and then everything's fine okay once saved always saved well that is not the entirety of this doctrine of perseverance so we know what it, at least we know what it's not so what is it well perhaps it's best if i just remind you of how these five points of calvinism came about so if you, were you here for earlier on in the sermon series Do you remember what we've said? I I am kind of tired of hearing that the five points of Calvinism are a summary of what we believe. They're not, are they? Do you remember? They're not a summary. The five points of Calvinism are actually a response to five points of error that emerged in the church and five errors that continue very much into the 21st century. So what is the error that we're dealing with here this morning? Well, you're going to think I'm I'm mad. You're going to think, if you don't already, you're going to think I'm a bit of an idiot. Because I am not sure if this word that I'm going to use is even a word in the English language. Uh, I tried to find out, but I couldn't. It wasn't categorical. But you know what I mean. So follow it. That wider evangelicals, so Arminians believe that salvation in Christ is losable. Is that a word? You know what I mean, don't you? That an Arminian view says that because salvation is not secured at the cross, but secured by our belief in the cross, that even if we are born again, that we can lose our faith. That we can fall out of salvation, that we can cease to be born again. Now you see it? There you go. So what is the reformed response to that, friends? Do you know what we say? We say, that is madness. That is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. Because salvation is God's work and not our work. What do we know? We know that there is this great unshakable security to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. That yes, we may doubt as Christians. We may and we will have problems and we will have difficulties, we will have issues but if we've been born again if we've been born again and converted, what do we know? That we will persevere to the end. That we will be preserved by the work of the Lord God. In fact Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the confession to you. Now listen to these words. Don't switch off because this will warm your heart. Listen to this. They whom God has accepted. Who's that? That's you and me, Christian friend. Those whom God has accepted can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace. Can I say that again? They can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere to the end and be eternally saved. I told you it warmed your heart. Isn't it beautiful? Aren't they some of the greatest words ever written? And doesn't it also mirror our text? Because what is Philippians 1, 6? Listen to it. What does Paul say? Listen to how he begins it. I am sure of this. Isn't that lovely? that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. What do we know as the people of God? We know we shall persevere to the end and all by his gracious hand. So we state the doctrine. Second thing that we need to do here is we need to unpack the doctrine, don't we? Because maybe if you disagree with me, you say, well, what's this founded upon? Okay, Paul says it in Philippians 1, but you telling me we're basing this whole doctrine on one phrase. Right, what's this based on? Well, our confession, the Westminster, our subordinate standard, the Westminster Confession of Faith, here does something uh, uh, really beautiful, beautiful. Because it bases this doctrine, perseverance, in the work of the three persons of the Godhead. So it bases this doctrine we're looking at, preservation of God, or perseverance of the saints. It bases it in the work of the Father, and in the Son, and then of the Holy Spirit. And it is wonderful. And if you haven't read it, you must. And I want to stick as closely as I can to the confession on this. So consider, first of all, the work of God the Father okay the work of God the Father this past week I bought a bike rack for the back of my car okay I am turning 40 this year and I need to get fit so I'm going cycling okay I bought a bike rack for my car the problem is that I am a bit of a warrior. Okay, a bit anxious by nature, a bit of a worrier. So can you imagine what money is with this bike rack? You know what it is, don't you? My worry is I'll be driving along, minding my own business, and I'll look in my wing mirror, and I'll see that my bike has fallen off. That it's like 200 yards behind me on the road, and another car's driving over it, or something like that. So I'm worried that my bike is going to fall off. What do I do? I'll tell you what I did. I researched this. Oh, I did. I researched. And I bought the most secure bike rack that i could possibly ever afford okay and then when this bike or this big parcel arrived with the bike rack i put this together <laughs> and i tighten those bolts and those straps like nothing has ever been tightened before and i know this as i stand before you today that even if a tank should hit my car that even if the car falls off a cliff that that bike will still be attached to the, it's going nowhere people! Like it is fixed, that bike crack. I need you to understand that the same is true for your salvation if you are in Christ. Because how is it, Christian friend, that you know today, how can you know that your salvation will not fall off? How do you know that it will not come loose? Don't you see? It is because it is attached to. And it is based on the most secure thing there has ever been. Your salvation is attached to the eternal decree of an all-powerful God. And isn't that what we have looked at in the sermon series? That God has purposed the salvation of the elect. Do you understand that? That he has willed this. God, this almighty God, has decreed the salvation of the elect. What has he done? He has He has chosen you. And he sent his son to die for you. He has worked in your life to turn you towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, are we saying this this morning? Are we really saying this? That how this God that scripture tells us does not lie, does not change his mind, are we really going to say, that that God is going to lie and change his mind and that he's going to let you go? Are you saying that? We're not saying that. Because what does Romans 8 say to you? That those who were called also justified. Now listen, those whom were justified are also glorified. Do you see, how can you know? How can you be sure? Because it is attached to the decree of God. It is so sure that Paul puts it in the past tense. So we consider the work of God the Father, but then we also have to consider the work of God the Son. Many of you know that uh, over Christmas, uh, our family took a very short break, a week's break, in the north France. I don't know if you've ever been to the north of France. What we found was that it was beautiful. I mean, this was lovely. And we went into the house, and the house itself is uh, cheap as chips, but it was just—it was just gorgeous. This lovely house, lovely setting, everything's perfect. Now, my four-year-old daughter uh, obviously takes after her father in the worrying stakes, <laughs> because in the you know, the guy shows us around the house. You know, if you've ever rented a holiday home or whatever, the guy shows you, and then he goes away. That same night, the four-year-old comes up to me and says, "Ah, oh, but Dad." What happens if he not back? <laughs> what happens if this man who's shown us around, he comes back tomorrow and he kicks us out and he wants a holiday house back? What happens? Uh, you can imagine what I did. You can imagine what I said to little Juliet. I said, you don't really have to worry about this too much. This is how it works. I give that man some money and then the house is ours for the week. That's how it works, right? You pay your price and you don't have to worry The whole day home is fine. Christian friend, how do you know that your salvation is secure? Because the Lord Jesus Christ on that cross at Calvary has already paid the price for your eternal future. Isn't that it? Like when when you understand these five points of Calvinism, when you understand That your salvation is not about your faith, but about the work of Christ. What do you know? There's this necessary security that follows for you. What did the Lamb's blood do? It paid the price. It purchased your future salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ can say to you from John 10 this morning, nothing can snatch you out of my hand. You see? Now, the little ones, the boys and girls. I know quite a few that the boys and girls are away on holiday. For those who are here, listen. Where do you think we're going to go next? If your minister has done the work of God the Father and then God the Son, where are we going next? God? The- yes, exactly. God the Holy Spirit. But friends, here, do we not have to deal with a truth that so infrequently gets much air time? in churches like ours, because I ask you if you're a Christian, what is it that God has done for you? Is it not true that God has sent his Holy Spirit into your heart? We, we very, isn't it true, we very rarely linger on that truth and ponder it very often. But do you see, Christian friend, what is true of you and not true for the world outside? What is it? Think about it, that God has taken up residence in your life and in your heart. Now that's special, isn't it? But get this. Now this is where I go with this. How is it that the Bible describes that indwell of the Holy Spirit in your life? You ready for this? This is Ephesians 1. Now think through very carefully what it says. Paul says, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Listen for the next bit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So I ask you again for the third time. How do you know, Christian friend, that there is a security to your everlasting life and standing in Christ Jesus? Because you understand, don't you, God is not a fraud. He's not like a dodgy London tenant or a dodgy London landlord, he has given you his very own Holy Spirit. And what is that? That is for you from God, a sure and firm guarantee of your everlasting life. Do you see it now? Isn't it marvelous? All three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all declaring to you what? That there is a sure salvation for the elect. Of God. So we state the doctrine, we unpack the doctrine, the third thing though we have to do is we have to defend uh, this doctrine. Now this morning, um, as I said at the very beginning, we are, if you're visiting us today, we're going through the sermon series about what it means to be a reformed church and so we've been doing this block of teaching on the theology of a reformed Church. And so that's coming to an end today. We're closing the five points of Calvinism for the time uh, being. I think what we have to appreciate, though, as we do that, is that this point, perseverance of the saints, is, I think, by far and away the most widely opposed of all of the points of Calvinism. So some of the other ones, uh, limited atonement, the third point of Calvin, that is probably more ferociously denied by some people in the Christian church. But this one today, that God preserves his saints, is more comprehensively and widely opposed. Let me just flesh that out a little bit. The Roman Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church officially, I think I'm right in saying, that many good evangelical people would all deny what i am saying is a clear and biblical truth so that's a bit confusing for us isn't it so what do we do we've got to ask well what's what's your problem with it like what's the concern with this doctrine well first of all some allege that this doctrine of perseverance it encourages a very lax attitude to the christian life now i wonder if you engage in that with me do you see the accusation do you the people are saying, well, if you say that once you're regenerate, once you're born again, you're secure in Christ. If you're saying that, then what stops a guy professing faith, going to town, and where's the party? You know, just living in any way they want. What, you know, if you're saying there's security to salvation, what stops a person saying, right, where's the booze? Where's the, the drugs? I'm, I'm eat, drink, and be being met. Do you see the accusation that is leveled against us? how how do we respond to that accusation friends we must stand and affirm that sanctification is essential to salvation do we not need to do that as a reformed church that we must stand and say yes there is security because salvation is god's work there is security but at the same time a pursuit of holiness is absolutely demanded by god isn't it What does God say to you in Scripture? God says on one hand, nothing can snatch you out of his hand. But what else does God say to you, Christian friend? Be holy. Because the Lord your God is... Do you see what I'm saying to you? Uh, Preservation, purity. God's sovereignty man's responsibility they stand side by side these those two things they go hand in hand that is absolutely unfair and untrue to say of reformed theology that we minimize the christian life for sanctification it that doesn't float it it doesn't float but then you know what happens (laughs) you get a further objection because if you're going to stand with me on this i hope you are i hope you know this to be biblical and convincing but if you're going to stand with me on perseverance this will happen to you if you are engaged in a discussion with a uh, wider evangelicalism somebody will stand in front of you and they will say this friends, Christian friends what do you do with the Christians who fall away and isn't that difficult for us to reconcile because think about it we're saying that our salvation is secure but what about the people we know and have loved the christians that we've seen come to faith and the christians that we have served alongside who this morning are nowhere and i mean that as the minister of this congregation what about the good people of london city presbyterian church who we have we've served christ with And we have loved, and we've worshipped the Lord, and today they are denying the Lord Jesus Christ. What do what do we do with what do we do with the biblical examples? What about Demas in Second Timothy? He is said to desert the faith. What about Hebrews chapter six? Those who are enlightened they fall away. Do you see the accusation? It's difficult, isn't it? What do we do with those who fall away? This is what we do. In such circumstances, we must affirm, but. Two possible biblical realities. One, you see that person who is miles from the church today. You see him? One, that person was either never born again in the first place. That their profession of faith was a lie. It was inauthentic. It was not real. That is a possibility. But you ready for the second one? That person, seemingly lost, is but temporarily adrift and isn't that special and isn't that encouraging for us as a congregation because that person those people that we're thinking about just now that we love so much as christians and they just are living a million miles away from the church what is true of them if they are converted if it is real and it's true the holy spirit of god will He will one day bring them back to us in the fold to worship the Lord Most High. That what Spurgeon said was true. That a believer is like a man on board a ship. That that man may fall and fall and fall and fall. But if that believer is in the Lord Jesus Christ, that man will never ever fall overboard. Do you see it? Friends, what must the church do? We can and we must defend the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. So we state it. We unpack it. Yes. Then we defend it. And then the last thing in just a word. We must live this doctrine. And here I just want you to see the great assurance that this should give you you. For- just consider, as we close, that Arminian viewpoint. I reckon if you have been here for the five points of Calvinism, that's one thing you're going to get out of this, that we affirm that salvation is not dependent on our faith, it is dependent on what Christ has done for us. But if you are an Arminian in here, I wonder if you see how flimsy and uncertain your view of salvation is. Do you? Can I be really personal with you today? Embarrassingly so, just for a moment. You'll excuse it, I'm sure. Um, I've had real doubts about my salvation in the past. I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure many of you as Christians are in that place But when I first came to to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I was wracked with doubt. I doubted Jesus. I doubted the cross. I doubted his saving work. I doubted whether I was born again. Now, do you see what an Arminian or a wider evangelical would say to me at that point? They would say, well, perhaps... You cease to be saved. At those points there, perhaps, you know, it's based on whether you believe, so maybe you weren't believing enough to hit the mark. Perhaps you stopped being born again. And do you see how flimsy it is? If it's based on a faith, do you see how uncertain it is? But what is this? I mean, what is this doctrine, this biblical doctrine telling you? It's not flimsy. And it's not uncertain, it is sure, because it is not based on us. It is not based on our faith, it is based on God's work. In fact, why don't we build on Spurgeon for a moment? See, perfect timing, Juliet. Look at Juliet running through the the church here. Perfect timing. Two weeks ago, Juliet and I were walking to church. And we were walking quickly. I was not on time. I was a little bit late. Have you ever walked hand in hand with a four-year-old girl before when you're trying to walk quickly? Can you imagine what happens? She tripped, okay? And, you know, she falls over her feet because we're rushing. In friend, did she fall on her face to the ground? Did she graze her face? Did she fall on the concrete? Did she cry and did she bleed? Did she... No. Why? Because she was in her father's hand. And isn't that the doctrine of perseverance and preservation of the saints? Isn't that the doctrine in a nutshell? How, Christian friend, can you know today that you're not going to fall out of salvation? How do you know that this is secure and it's true? How? Because the father has got you. You are in the Father's hand. Does Scripture tell us that there is neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor depths, nor heights, nor anything else in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God? And because of that, you know how we must end. We must end God praising him for how this came about. Because I ask you, how can we have such acceptance? How can we this morning know that we will never, ever be forsaken? How do we know? All because of that first reading. All because on that cross at Calvary, 2,000 years ago, in your place, in your stead, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he was forsaken. And he was abandoned. That's how you can know that you will be accepted, Christian friend, by your God. May it be that we go out into this week and we take very seriously our sanctification and our Christian life, but let us know this one thing. The victory has been won. That price on your head has already been paid, Christian friend. You are secure in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we bow and we worship you for this wonderful truth, that you preserve your saints, that we persevere because of your grace, and we thank you and praise you that we are in your hand. We thank you for the assurance that you give us of that everlasting life in Christ, and we worship you knowing that it was not because we are good. Not because we have done anything, but all, all because of the perfection and sacrifice and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.